So good morning, Eastside family. We want to let our children, ages three through third grade, make their way in that direction for junior worship. The rest of you that are staying in here, we want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn this morning to First Peter. And as we're, as we're making our way in that direction, I, I, um, in turning to First Peter and letting our kids go to junior worship, I, I want to remind you of a very important aspect of our of our worship to God, it is, that is the offering that we bring to the Father, and we have four ways we're making that possible for you. You can mail a check to our church address, you can give an automatic draft through your bank, quite easy to do. You can go online to our website on our homepage, there's a box give, click on that box and it's pretty easy instructions to follow. If you're here in person, you can uh, drop off your contribution there at the box on the way out. If you're not here in person, but you're live streaming with us this morning, we are absolutely honored and humbled and delighted to have you with us this morning. Uh, you're just as much a part of this fellowship, even though you couldn't be with us today. Happy to have you here. And speaking of happy to, to have you here, I don't call out everybody, but I embarrassed them in our Sunday school class. Nathan Holland, our missionary, he may be watching. He and Amoyo and the girls, Phoebe and Anna. His mom and dad just moved to town. We had a wonderful group of uh, folks show up yesterday to unload their truck and they are somewhere. Kathy and Don Holland are here. Welcome back. They used to be members here. We're so delighted to have you here. And then I want to say to Ben and your sister, hey, great job this morning. They asked if they could do communion, so <clears throat> certainly proud, proud of them. 1 Peter 4, we're going to be looking this morning at verses 7 through 11. Before we read, I, I want to tell you a couple of stories. Once a month, I attend a local gathering of, of ministers and pastors in various churches in Colorado Springs. And usually there's about, you can go from 40 to 60 to 70 of us who attend. It's a great time. We come together, we eat lunch, we, we pray together at the tables, and then there's always a topic that is presented and is, it is discussed. And the, the gatherings, we call them the merge, they, they, are, they move from church to church. Different churches host the gatherings. And so on this particular, Sunday, uh, particular Wednesday, I think it was, there was a hosting church and so it's the it's the tradition of the hosting pastor to always get up first and talk a little bit about himself and a little bit about his church before we um, go into our presentation our topic for the day and so on this particular day there was a a minister I would say he was in his late 30s and he started out telling us a little bit about about his family and about his life and then he began to tell us a a little bit about his church and the history of his church. He told us about how it was a church plant from many years ago and how he started out as the youth minister of this church and then eventually he um, became the, the senior pastor or the preaching minister of that church. But then he went on to tell us how at the end of that month he would be stepping down from ministry and he didn't know what he was going to do next. And you could see the pain and the hurt 
on his face. But then he proceeded to tell us that the leaders of his church had decided that at the end of the next month, their church would close their doors and it would be the very last service of that church. And you could see on his face the feelings of defeat and the feelings of failure that were accompanied by by tears, not unlike tears you see when someone has lost a loved one, but these are tears at the death of a church. And so we called his wife to come up next to him and all of us got up from where we were seated and we, we stood around this precious couple. We laid hands on them and we, and we prayed for them. It was incredibly sad. And this church became one more number to be added to a statistic, a very sobering statistic. And though it's hard to get the exact numbers, I'm pretty safe in saying from the research that I have read, no less than 75 churches close their doors each week. And this number is expected to double or to triple in the wake of the pandemic. And the reasons for these church closings, there's many reasons. It can be preacher burnout, a lot of that. It could be member burnout. And it can be disconnectedness from church life that COVID just contributed to. And, 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 and then added to that a, a growing trend towards isolationism or individualism. Also that COVID had a big role in that. The disunity in our nation that has seeped into our churches has played a a role in hurting so many churches. And there is the, in in our culture, the growing secularization of our nature that's not unlike what you would see in the history of Europe where there are just so many beautiful cathedrals that used to be filled with so many people but now they're virtually empty with the exception of of tourists that are there. I heard the story of a, of a minister who took over a, a small church in Oklahoma and this church wasn't doing very well. So he decided to take it on and he did everything that he could to, to revitalize the church, to help the members become active and, and, and involved again and help the church grow again. But in spite of all of his efforts, he just seemed like there was nothing he could do. And so finally, he just gave up in resignation. And he announced to his church and he also announced it in the local newspaper of this town that this church is officially dead. And this Sunday we're going to be having a a funeral for the church. And so that uh, that next Sunday afternoon, this congregation had more people in attendance 
than they'd ever seen before with current members and many of the former members in curiosity who had come back. And so the pastor stood up and he gave what you might call a eulogy and he told the history and the story of this church in, its, in, it, in this city and all that had happened. But he said, now this church is dead. And he had placed down front in, in the auditorium a, a casket and the casket had flowers on top of it casket was open and he said now as we close like is dawn at a funeral I want to ask everybody to stand and, and come and pass their way by the casket and pay respects and he says as you do so and as you look into the casket you will see the primary cause of the death of this church and so everybody got up and they walked past the casket and as they looked inside they walked away with embarrassment because there was a mirror in the casket placed at a particular angle where each person could see their reflection. You see, if a church is alive, it means that the individual members of that church are alive. If a church is dying, that means the individuals within that congregation are dying. Now, please understand, I'm not implying that our church is dead or dying. To the contrary, I constantly see incredible signs of life. But I think we would be mistaken to bury our heads in the sand and ignore this growing trend, or maybe I should say this dying trend, of churches in our nation. Because truth be told, we took some hits from COVID. You can tell just sitting here. And while I'm not blaming everything on COVID, it played a role. We're in this post-COVID, as I've mentioned before, church recovery. That's the purpose of this lesson, actually. And there are too many now in our church family who, I guess you might could just say, are no longer showing the signs of life, of their faith. And that spills over into the signs of life of a church. This past week, I stood in an ICU room by the bedside of a man. And I stood there with his wife and his two children. And our eyes went back and forth from him to these, all these monitors that he was hooked up to. Back and forth. Looking for signs of life. What are the signs of life of a church? What are the signs of life of a follower of Jesus Christ? And as we conclude this series today on the importance of church community with this passage here in 1 Peter, I want to bring your attention to what I believe there's a whole lot here, but what I would say from this passage are three signs of life that I want us to notice. He writes in verse 7, it starts out, the end of all things. First Peter 4, the end of all things is near. Now when you read the whole letter of First Peter, I believe it's clear that by this statement, Peter is referring to, it was just off the charts, trials and hardships and difficulties 
that these people in this church had gone through and it was going to get worse. They were going to continue to face this. And so Peter is writing this letter and in this particular passage is helping them to understand that if we are going to survive this current crisis and come out on the other side vibrant and alive, there are some signs of life that are, must be evident. There are three. The first needed sign of life is connectivity to God. Notice in verse 7 he says, Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. Prayer of a church and its individual members is a vital sign of life. And maybe you've done it with somebody that's potentially dying. You're looking to see, are they breathing I think you could fairly say are they praying that is our breath that keeps us alive where prayer is lacking in a church and its members that church is in spiritual decline and headed to extinction and we saw this in a previous lesson I think it was two lessons ago with the illustration in this series of the mannequin Macy that a, that a body part disconnected from the body is a body part disconnected from the head and a body part disconnected from the head is going to lead to ultimate death. You just can't stay alive separate from the head and it's clear in scripture that Jesus is the head of the church and the primary way we stay connected to Christ is through prayer. It's a vital sign of life and so that's why Jesus as he stated of the temple which now the church is the temple that my house he didn't say will be a house of preaching I'm good with preaching in the church but he says my house will be a house of prayer because it's vital that's why we have people praying right now in our prayer room around the corner Praying for us, praying for this church, praying for our city, and praying for those who in this assembly have gone. They're being prayed for. That's why at the end of our service, we don't just have a closing song, but we have a song that leads us in prayer so that we can pray to one another because that's important. That's why when our shepherds meet, you would love to be there and observe that the, the majority of their time is spent in prayer because prayer is a vital sign of life. But what? about you are you breathing as we watch your life are you praying does your prayer life contribute to the health of your own and to the health of this body or not Imagine, imagine a church of all of us and all of our members who were daily devoted to God in fervent prayer. It could do nothing other than to breathe fire and vibrancy and life of the Holy Spirit into its members, into our church. Prayer church is a vital sign of life. It's connectivity with God. And then secondly, connectivity with God naturally leads to a connectivity with one another. Notice what he says in verse 8. 
Above all, love each other deeply. A clear sign of the life of a church is when its members are connected with one another deeply by the the glue, if I might call it, of God's agape. That's the word that's used here for love. By God's agape love. It's really not complicated. I don't think you'll leave here today going, what was he trying to say? Maybe you do sometimes, but I don't think this is not. This is pretty simple. The more members we have connected, the greater health we have in the body of Christ. The less members we have connected, the, the less health we have in the body of Christ. So the real question is, in what way is your connectivity contributing to the health of this church? Your connectivity is vital. And I think it's important to notice there, of this love that brings us together, he says, because love covers over a multitude of sins which means it brings forgiveness. Our connectivity, our staying together is not primarily dependent upon us being kind to one another because although we should be, we often aren't. So there's going to have to be something else to hold us together and that is forgiveness. If only forgiveness instead of departure were the impulsive instinct of God's people when they were hurt. Of connectivity to one another, Peter also writes, we're just following, we're, just, we're letting God really preach this. I'm just saying, and now he says this, and now he says that. Verse 9, he says, of this being connected to one another, he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, there are a couple of things here that are important. That word, one another, look it up. I'm pretty sure there's, it's about a 100 times that phrase, one another, appears in the New Testament. When God repeats something 100 times, he wants us to get it. One another relationships within the body of Christ are vital to the life of a church and to its members. It would be worthy study if you look up all the one another passages. You could do that in your life groups this afternoon if you, if you wanted to. And then this word hospitality is really important. In the original language it means opening up our lives. Opening up our, our homes to one another that we may be deeply connected. Not asking, do you attend church on Sundays sometimes? Are you deeply connected? Hospitality plays a huge role in that, but that word hospitality is very interesting. It literally means to, to reach out to and bring in and care for strangers. People that you don't know that well. People that are are guests or people that may be even a bit strange to us. Church, listen, one of the worst things that can hurt a church are cliques. And we encourage our life groups to bond together and be strong and, 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 and come together as family. But a life group can. It has to watch itself. It become, can become cliquish. We can so enjoy the, the, the closeness of the relationships we already have that it begins to leave out or not include some of those new people, some of those strange people, some of those people that we don't know very well and all of a sudden they began to become discouraged and feel isolated and lonely lonely 
When you get home this afternoon, if you want a homework assignment, type into your internet search these two words, loneliness and health. And you've got about five years of material to get started with. It's incredible how much is there. A report from the Harvard Graduate School of Religion concluded that while loneliness has been a problem in society for many years, and I quote, the global pandemic has deepened an epidemic, you hear that word, an epidemic of loneliness in America. You think COVID was bad. The article describes it as an epidemic that damages not only mental health, but also physical health, increasing the risk of emotional disorders, causing depression, anxiety, substance abuse, domestic abuse, putting people at greater risk of physical ailments like heart disease, cancer, stroke, hypertension, dementia, premature, and suicide. Our Surgeon General is quoted in the Harvard Business Review as saying that social isolation is associated with a reduction in lifespan similar to that caused by smoking 16 cigarettes a day. And though I'm blaming a lot on COVID, it's not all COVID's fault. Our modern world plays into that. I've got electric garage doors. I don't even have to interact with my neighbors. Drive home and open those doors and I'm in, talk to no one. And I've got big fences in the back, privacy fences. I don't even have to see them. Our technology is turning us inward. I can sit in a crowd of people and just be totally focused and isolated. I don't even have to go out and get stuff. I can have DoorDash bring it to me. I can have Amazon bring it to me. This 24-7 delivery, it can just keep me isolated. I don't even have to meet with people. I can just turn on my computer screen. And all of these things com connected, combined together, play a role in cutting us off from people and places where, where, where we used to gather. I didn't think it was true, so I had to do some research to confirm it. But in the, U in the United Kingdom, they determined that loneliness is such an epidemic in their nation that they created a new cabinet position. And that is called the Minister of Loneliness. And I don't think that is an overreaction. Loneliness being disconnected from one another, it is, it's killing us. Literally, but not only physically and, and mentally, but it's also hurting us spiritually. It's hurting churches. Because COVID has led us too many to falsely believe, you know, I, I don't really need the church. And the church really doesn't need me. <clears throat> Without question, a vital sign of the life of a church and its members, it's, it's it's connectivity to one another. Learned that last Sunday in my life group. Karen and I are carrying an incredibly heavy burden right now. We opened up about that burden in our life group. And we met a new couple that we did not know before. And they poured themselves out in caring for me and Karen and helped us so much. 
That's where the community happens. It's a church. It's a vital sign of life. And then finally, the third, third sign of life that we see here, and it's actually these last two verses that said, oh, that, that'll preach. I'm going to preach that. But I thought I can't leave out that first part. So that first part's extra. Now here comes the sermon. Oh, dear. How much time does he have? The third sign of life that we see here, and I'm trying to, you know, I always got to get stuff rhyming. Uh, I'm not a poet, but connectivity to God, connectivity to one another, activity, third sign of life of every member. Notice I have this here in verse 10. We read these words, each of you should use whatever, this, this is like, this one verse alone is a sermon series. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so you see, it's not enough to be connected. An arm can be connected and just kind of dangle there. It's not enough for the spleen to be connected to the other vital organs of the body. It has to carry out its unique role. Activity is a vital sign of life. And notice what he starts out with here in verse 10. He says, each of you. And so this is complicated, but the question is to whom is he speaking? Each of you, he's speaking to you. Not them, to you. And you'd think, well, well, duh. But the health and life of a church and its members are dependent on you. Every single one of us. And I say that because from where I sit, it seems to me we have too many members in this church body who, who are depending upon others to carry out whatever needs to be done within the body of a church. We have too many dangling body parts who seem to be doing nothing more than showing up on a Sunday morning, if even that. A vital sign of the life of a church and its members is the activity and service of each one. Those are God's words. And he says here, each one using, notice this word, whatever gift he or she has. You know, it used to really get on my nerves when I was a youth minister and I would hear our teenagers, I don't know if we still had this in, in, in high schools anymore, I hope not. They would talk about, well, I'm in the gifted and talented program at school. But I'm thinking, well, what message is that communicating to those who aren't in that program? Listen, every single one of you, every single one of us are in the gifted and talented program of this church. And you know, we heard it during COVID and we hear it during a blizzard or a storm or a hurricane. It just depends on where you live. Today, only the essential employees are, are required to come to work. And so again, what message is that communicating to everyone else? There are no non-essential members of the church body. And I say that because we have some who think they are. You are essential. And then notice what he says in this verse. I told you it's packed with truth. Look at it on the screen there. Notice that the purpose of these gifts is to serve whom? To serve others. Not self, 
Listen, narcissism, selfishness, is a destructive sickness to a church and to its members. There are far too many people who are incredibly gifted and talented and are using their gifts and talents to serve primarily themselves. Your life's purpose is found beyond your life. The vitality and health of this church and your life, it's found in pouring yourself out in service to others. And he states here, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. One translation, perhaps you have this translation, it reads as faithful stewards. As soon as I heard that word stewards, my mind went straight to Matthew 25. It's the parable of those, those three guys. They were stewards of what had been given to them, the five talent, two talent, one talent. I've given that to you in your life groups to, to consider as an option for reading and discussion. There in, in, the, in, that, in that parable... We learn that we have been given our life, we have been given our gifts and our talents to administer God's grace through service to others. That's God's purpose for us. If your life is not devoted in service to others, you're just not being a faithful steward. You are hindering the administration of God's grace, God's work that he wants to do through your life. You're actually like the one talent man in that parable. And if you're wondering what's he like, that you can read this afternoon in, in Matthew chapter 25. And so we read in verse 11, we're just walking through this text. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. So this passage, again, as another sermon series, it makes it clear. We don't all have the same gifts. But all the gifts and talents are essential. Therefore, it's vital to the life of this church and its members that each of us use our life and our gifts to serve in the church body. Listen, there are things that you can do that no one else can do like you. Without you, something vital is missing. And here in this passage, he also rules out, yeah, but I just, I don't have it. I don't have what it takes to do what is needed. He said, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you that excuse. Because he says in verse 11, it's not you and your speaking ability. It's not you and your activity done in your strength. But rather, I love this, it's the very, if anyone speaks, let it be as though the very words of God. It's God's words through you. If anyone serves, let it be through the strength that the Lord provides. It is God in you and through you as you offer yourself to him as an instrument, as, as a tool in his hand. It would be nonsense for the hammer to say, Man, I, I just don't have what it takes. I, I, I don't know what to do. Of course, you're a stupid hammer. That's not your take-home point today. It's not the hammer. It's not the capability of the hammer. It's the carpenter who holds the instrument in his hands. Jesus, and I love this, it's not the preacher, it's not the elders. Jesus is the builder of the church. The church, if I could say this, is his toolbox. And all of his members are the tools within that toolbox. And so it's for each one of us to come before God and say, You know, God, I may not be the sharpest tool in the toolbox. But I offer myself to you. Take me. 
that I may connect with you, that I may connect with others, that you may use me as an instrument in your hand to serve others in the church and in the community. So that, verse 11, so that in all things God, not you, so that in all things God may be praised. Listen, the goal of your life is not to make a name for yourself, but it is to make a name for God. To live your life so immersed in Him, so connected to Him, that you're not seen. You, he radiates through you. You're not heard. He speaks through you. And, and God works powerfully as you're connected to others and serving in the community and serving in the church. Therefore, He is seen, He is heard, and He is praised. And so, as we close, let's just ask the question, as we stand and we look at our church and we look at this, if you might call it, spiritual health monitor of 1 Peter 4, would you say that our church is showing signs of life? Ah, better question. Are you, as a member of this church, showing signs of life? If you're not engaged in a ministry of service in the church, hey, talk to one of us. I asked Sarah and she did. There's a little stand on that table there. We've got more copies of all the ministries of our church and everything you need to know so that you can find a place to serve. It's right there. Practical application to what we're seeing here in 1 Peter. Secondly, are you connected deeply with others? In the body of Christ. If you're not in that same stand, there's a list of all of our life groups. It's a place to connect. Are you deeply connected with God in prayer? If you're not, I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to enter into a song, and it's a chance for us to start today as a church. And as individuals praying together. But I want you to allow that to carry from this moment into a daily fervency, holding on to God in prayer. It's, it's, it's a vital sign of life. And Peter closes this section with these words in chapter 4 and verse 11 To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Would you stand and let's pray. Father, I pray that today will not just be another sermon where people will shake my hand and say that was really nice and then leave and we just continue on with the status quo. The Holy Spirit take this and do much more than that. And Father, I realize that no one's going to leave here and say, well, I, I haven't heard that before. I realize this is a repetition, but it's a repetition because you repeat these three themes so much in Scripture. I pray that you will take this repetition and embed it deeply into our lives, into our hearts, and let it grow and produce the fruit of whatever is necessary in our lives as individuals practically and personally and though we have heard this before would you embolden us and convict us and challenge us 
to take what we have heard and become doers of your word. As we turn to you now in this prayer, as we breathe, breathe into us fresh life and fire and vibrancy in our own lives in this church that it may spill over into our community, into the world. We offer this prayer to you in Jesus' name. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the Senior Minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.